0: Well good evening church, why don't you find your seats and uh, we're going to continue in our series on Ephesians tonight. Who's had a great week? That's good, well I hope uh, the rest of you have also, but who's been enjoying our series on Ephesians so far? Ephesians is a great book that uh, is something that really speaks to a soul because it's Paul writing to the the Gentiles, people like us, people who weren't uh, the Jewish or the Hebrew people who were God's people but the the Gentiles who were uh, given away to come to God and this book is so much about that. So we're going to to begin uh, my well-prepared and not downloaded message, I can assure you of that Uh, that was it was definitely all a joke but we're going to read through Ephesians 3 so please uh, it's a long chapter so bear with me but follow along on the screens or in uh, your Bible if you have it tonight but verse 1 says when I think of all this I Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles assuming by the way that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone. This mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Verse 14, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts and as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. And the great verse that we all love. Now all glory to God who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's a good one, isn't it? It's a great one. It's a long one, so thank you for uh, bearing with me. But I, I love this verse because it, at this chapter, rather, because it speaks to us, people who are kind of, you know not an Old Testament. Jews the Hebrews that that knew God but these people the Gentiles who could now be reached and come to know God because of this mysterious plan that God had and this is what we learn about in Ephesians 3 that God had a plan for our salvation for our reconnection to him even before time ever existed that we can now share equally in the riches inherited by God's children because of Christ and our faith in him we can now come boldly And confidently into his presence. And Paul says when he thinks about this, even for us, he falls to his knees in thanks. Praying that we would be empowered with inner strength from the Holy Spirit. That we would be strong because of the deep roots that we have in God's love. And this I love, that God, he can accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Through what? His mighty power at work within us. You know, it's a chapter for me that tells us of the incredible depth of God's love. That before we even existed, he had a plan. Before people even existed, he had a a plan to bring us back into reconnection with him. So that we could have this power that worked within us. And so when we get to the end of the chapter, we can read that great verse. Who loves Ephesians 3 verse 20? I know so many people have this as, it's mine too, as one of your favorite verses of all time, that That idea that God can do infinitely more and accomplish so much than we could ever hope or dream of. And that's something that I want you to consider right now. You know, a dream that's been put in your heart, a a calling as such that you feel from God, something that has been planted, a vision that's been given to you. It's, It's an incredible thought to actually try and understand that no matter what, you can dream about that no matter what you can hope to accomplish, even with God's power, no matter what your furthest thought, your greatest vision for something God's planted in your heart, no matter what you can even dream of, God says, well, I can do even more. You dream this much, well, I can take it even further. All because of my power that can work within you, because of my infinite love that I have. But interestingly enough, here's a fact about Ephesians chapter 3 it it all starts in verse chapter 1 everything's got to have a beginning and verse 1 is the beginning of chapter 3 and it starts like this as Paul's saying when I think of this I Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus a prisoner of Christ Jesus just hold that thought for a second because I want to I want to tell you a story an interesting fact about Australia that you might not No, or, or, or maybe you do. But I, I found this out and I thought it was quite interesting. But in 1970, a, a man named Leonard Casley. Has anyone heard of Leonard Casley? Well, this you're in for a treat tonight. You are. This is, this is party material. Next time you're at a party, you can just drop this one. Everything's going to be great. But in 1970, Leonard Casley, who was a wheat farmer from Western Australia, was having a dispute with the Australian government. He wanted to be able to export more wheat overseas because it would increase his income. But the Australian government at that time had a quota on the amount that he could export and what he had to kind of keep for Australia. He couldn't resolve this dispute with the Australian government. So he decided that he was going to um, separate himself from Australia. That he was going to start his own kingdom, his own province within Australia, and and he and he did so, and and this is it here. The well, that's him. Just go back one more. This, the Hut River Province in Western Australia. Um, through a series of like legal loopholes and even some mistakes that the Australian Tax Office made in sending him a letter that addressed him as like the the uh, the administrator of the province or something. He used all these things to actually give himself like a legal standing to say he was no longer part of Australia and his 75 kilometer square little spot in Western Australia was now its own province, its own nation, its own kingdom within Australia. They've got their own currency. This is, uh, this is Prince Leonard. Let's go to the next one. This is, this is Prince Leonard I, as he called himself, and uh, that's his wife, Princess Shirley. She's no longer with us. Um, but you, you can get currency with his face on it. Australia Posts were even forced to... Yeah, you would want to coin with... Yeah. Um, Australia Posts were even forced to recognize the, the postage stamps that they created. Um, they, they've got their own economy. They've got their own laws. He could change and decide the quota of wheat that he could export. Uh, there's, there's differences in taxes. There's all these things that are different. Um, even apparently, at some point for three days, they declared war on Australia. <laughs> they have a population of 24 and no military. but yet yeah, they declared war on, on us, on Australia. But it's an interesting thing, because th- this, this place, it looks like Australia. It feels like Australia. It's, it's in Australia. It has a princess named Shirley. Now, that's the most Australian thing I have ever heard in my life. But the thing is, this is a completely different kingdom. Whether it's legal, whether it can ever be contested, it, it doesn't matter. The, the fact is that these people operate under a different set of laws, a different set of thinking, a different way of doing things in the rest of Australia. Even though it looks the same, it feels the same. You can go there, 40,000 tourists go a year and get to meet Prince Leonard. You can do that as well. It feels like Australia, but it's not Australia. It's a different place. There's a different set of laws. There's a, a different way of thinking. And you see, I believe that this is what Paul is wanting us to begin to understand in Ephesians chapter three, because although we might Look the same, we might feel the same. We might be a bit of a Prince Leonard and a a Prince Shirley at times. The truth is that as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, that we abide by a different set of rules. We abide in a, a different kingdom, a different law. It might look the same and feel the same, but it's different. The rules are different. Some things don't apply. There's a different way of thinking when you live in this kingdom. Just like that one. Now let's jump back to Paul and his extraordinary claim in verse 1. He said, When I, I think of this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Well, to understand why this claim is so extraordinary, you've got to understand the context of the book, the letter to Ephesians. When Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, he was in a Roman prison, he had been arrested by Romans. He was wearing chains that had been put there by Romans. He was being guarded by, you guessed it, the the Romans. But yet when he begins this chapter, this chapter that talks about the love of God and everything that we can achieve through the power of work within us, of God's power within us, he begins by establishing the fact that he's but a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Everyone who would come to visit Paul on on, Roman Roman prison day or whatever they have, you know, bring a a cake and visit a family. Everyone who came to visit him would see him in the circumstances of the kingdom of the Romans. Chained, guarded, arrested under their rule, living under their rules. But Paul begins this chapter by saying, you know what, I don't care what my circumstances may look like. I don't care what kingdom you think I have to play by the rules are. You may think that I'm here by the Romans' choice, but the truth is I am here writing to you as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, not as a prisoner of the Romans. You see, when Paul said that, I believe he wanted to challenge our thinking. That if we want to get to the end of chapter 3 and believe that everything, that our heart is in our heart, every hope and every dream everything in our wildest dreams that God can accomplish even more, then we have to firstly understand that we're not in a kingdom of limits. We're not in a kingdom of rational thinking and looking at the circumstances of where we're at. We're in a kingdom where we are a prisoner of Christ Jesus, the one whose love can't even be measured, the one who exists outside of any limit. And this is what Paul was hoping that we would Understand because understanding this key that we're existing in a different kingdom without limits is what brings us to that amazing statement of Ephesians 3, verse 20. That God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think, or as the message says, the message translation, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine, or guess, or request in your wildest dreams. But it's only when our thinking changes that we're not a prisoner of the circumstances that we're in, but that we're a prisoner of Christ Jesus. The name above every name. The one who loves us more than anything. The one who made a way for us to come back to the Father. It's only then that through His power at work within us that we can accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dream of all right adam confession time we're all friends here right you i know you won't hold this against me i've i've admitted to you about the cockroaches and and all that kind of stuff we're at the church house yesterday doing a cleanup and my fear of cockroaches was evident and tested many times over and ridiculed by the many that were there but i was grateful it's all good but, but my confession tonight is that I am a rock nerd. And I don't mean the cool, like, rock music, like bands and music. I, I mean literally rocks. I love rocks. I'm a rock nerd. I, they fascinate me. I, I love to research them. I used to, I, I, I used to collect them up until I got married and I wasn't... <laughs> Now they're in a box in the garage, and I just look at them every now and then. But, but I, I, I do love rocks, and so, uh, and, you know, it's all good. And so when I was in high school, I, I, I took a science elective for my HSC, which was geology, which is the study of rocks. So I was in my element, surrounded by rock nerds all the time. It was great. I used to talk about igneous and sedimentary deposits, and, and uh, no, we didn't. They were normal. Um. But I remember this time when my teacher was telling me about, uh, about the Andes Ranges in South America, the mountains that are there. And she was explaining to us, and here we go, we're going to get rock nerdy, uh, about how they were formed really differently. And it, it was really an interesting way where two continental plates, one is sliding under another and it literally scraped up the, the, uh, the ocean floor and created this mountain range, right? It's awesome, isn't it? (laughs) Okay, wrong crowd. Um, But I remember her explaining to us and I I just found it fascinating that you can go to South America and you can stand 4,000 meters above sea level and and find rocks that were formed on the ocean floor. Uh, You can find fossils and evidence of sea life 4,000 meters above sea level. Now, I don't think you need to be a rock nerd to kind of find that pretty amazing, that once upon a time, this mountain that's now four kilometers high was once the bottom of the ocean. And at that time, you know, because we've clearly established that I am a rock nerd, um, I felt like a little dream got put in my heart, that one day I wanted to go to the Andes Ranges, to the mountains and uh, and stand on top of them and, and discover this for myself. Now, if you were a rock nerd, you would feel the same right now. But you don't because you're normal. <laughs> but this is what happened to me. Year 11, year 12, somewhere like that. This, this little dream went into my heart. Wow, one day I would love to go and see that. A dream. Something that I hoped one day. Something that... I probably read Ephesians three verse twenty and thought, "Yes, God, let me accomplish that dream in my life to go and stand on the Andes ranges." Well, about a decade later, I actually got the opportunity to go to Peru, and and I went to I went to the Andes ranges, and I was standing uh, on probably not the very top because we all know how I feel about heights. But, but some kind of mountain that was pretty high. And I was in an old, it's incredible, um, it wasn't that one because that's high. Um, but I'll tell you something, I, I went with uh, Jan, where's Jan? Jan's a friend of ours and, and uh, I went with her and her husband and I, I confessed to her tonight, oh, I can't believe you're here, like I'm going to tell this story about Peru and I couldn't find my photos so I just Googled them and now I can't because you 're here you 'll know it 's not true. I have to confess. so this is Google Images. This is somewhere in South America, not exactly where I went, but, um, but uh, standing on top of them in, in an old Mayan uh, ruin of a of a fortress or an outpost or something that was on like this farm, not a not a tourist area, somewhere you get to go because you know someone. And I'm standing up on top of this thing. I can hardly breathe because of altitude sickness and, and I, we had to run up the top. And, and I just remember this moment of, of kicking a rock. And suddenly, you know, everyone around is admiring the view and, and everything. And I'm looking at rocks on the ground. And um, I, I suddenly remembered this moment that I had almost 10 years earlier where this, where this dream had been placed in my heart. To one day go here to one day go and, and be there. And, and there I was. I, I hadn't really thought about it, but, but th- there I am standing on top of this mountain in Peru, thousands of kilometers from home. And I'm remembering that a decade earlier that, that a dream had been put into my heart. And it wasn't the realization of remembering that dream, it was the realization and the understanding of how incredible... God is when he works. You see, I wasn't there because I, I, I had gone on a holiday. I wasn't I didn't sign up for a Kentiki tour and travel around South America in a bus with a bunch of friends. I, I wasn't there for work. I was I was there because at that time I was I was serving in a church, a different church as a youth pastor. And and my pastor, who's Jan's husband, he came and and said to me, look, I'm going to Peru to minister some, to some churches, and they have said, have you got someone who can come and, and spend time with our young people? I want you to pray about that and, and come, and and I did. So when I'm kicking this rock on top of this mountain, thinking about how amazing it was to see a, a sedimentary rock in a place that should have been an igneous-only deposit. You're all thinking that right as well? Good. I, I'm, I'm thinking how amazing... God is, that when a dream gets put in your heart, that through the right circumstances, through his power at work within you, no matter how foolish or silly or insignificant that dream can be, but when his power is working within you, even more can be accomplished. Never would I think that I could be standing on this mountain getting to see this thing. But never also did I think that I would have the opportunity to travel to Peru for three weeks and visit four different churches and minister to their young people. But I know through the, through the experiences of my life that when we change our thinking, that we're no longer in a kingdom of Roman prison, we're no longer in a kingdom of limited thinking, of worrying about our circumstances. When we lift that out and say, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus, not of my circumstances, then when his power works within us, then amazing and incredible things can happen. You see, I believe that, that a dream that has been put in your heart, even if you consider it to be insignificant, if it was put there by God, then with his work, with his power working within you, that is how we can go and be the church. Those little dreams that you don't know why they're being put in there, those desires that you chase, and somehow God works them around to work into his way, to work into his plan. And and one day you find yourself standing on a mountain in Peru, kicking rocks when all the other people are looking at the important stuff. But it reminds me of this psalm, Psalm 37, verse 4, which says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. See, I find this verse interesting and challenging. Because take delight in the Lord. You know, I read in Ephesians 3 that we're studying that God loves us so much. That his love is immeasurable, that you can't even see how wide, how high, how long, how high, how deep it is. This love that abounds so much. That when we take delight in him, it tells us that he will give you your heart's desires. And that brings us down to the end of chapter 3, verse 20. That everything that we can dream of, or God can do infinitely more. But the thing is that Psalms wasn't written in English and it was written in Hebrew. And, and this phrase, and he will give you, is something that's not actually translated too well across to English. Because when I have read that in my life, and, 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 and maybe it's happened for you as well, and he will give you your heart's desires, we, we begin to think, well, does that mean like the car that I want to drive? The house that I want to live in? The income that I want to earn, the places I want to visit, the things the things I want to do, are they my are they my heart's desires that God wants to do infinitely more and accomplish within me? But if we go back to the Hebrew word that's in this verse and He will give, it's the word Nathan, it's spelt like Nathan. Nathan. But it has a different context. It's not saying that that he will grant you the desires of your heart. It's saying he will put, he will place desires in your heart when you delight in him. You see, that's the whole thinking that we have to change. It's not the desires of our heart that God wants to accomplish infinitely more with. It's the desires of his heart that he places and puts and sets in our heart when we delight in him. That's where the power that God wants to work within us. If we want to go and be the church this year. And years after that, we're not going to stop at the end of this year. But if we want to go and be the church, our thinking has to change to align with God's. We've got to realize that we don't live in a, in, in a Roman prison that has limits and constraints, but we are a prisoner of Christ Jesus who is absolutely limitless. But also, when we delight in Him, when we're spending time with Him, hearing from Him, that's the time when He comes and He sets desires in our heart. And they're the things that He wants to take with His power working within us to accomplish so much more than we could ever hope or dream of. That desire that's in your heart to go and be the church, to start a go mission, to head out at 10 o'clock on a Friday night when you'd rather be in bed, but go and help a young person who needs help. Those desires that are in your heart, they are placed there by God because you have delighted in Him. And He wants to take that desire and accomplish infinitely more because his power is at work within us. Understanding that we now live in a limitless kingdom. We might not have the privilege of having Prince Leonard and Princess Shirley rest her soul. But we have Christ Jesus and we are a prisoner of him. And that is incredibly better than having a coin with Prince Leonard on him. Let's pray as the the band comes. Lord, I thank you for your love for us, that it is so immeasurable. I thank you that you want nothing more than for us to delight in you so you can fill our heart with promises, with vision, with dreams and goals that when we stay delighting in you, that your power can work within us and we can see so much more accomplished. So Lord, for us as a church, God, I pray that you continue to speak to our hearts, that you continue to give us dreams and visions and desires for how we can go and be the church. So much more than a Sunday meeting, but we can be people who influence this world with your message to let them know how much you love them. So Lord, I pray, continue. Fill our hearts with hope and with vision. Keep us close to you. May we delight in you even more. And may your power be ever at work in our lives. We thank you, Lord. Amen.